schools are now allowing kids to identify as cats, dogs, you name it, in the UK. We had a recent video of a teacher arguing with a pupil about it. It's gone very viral. I mean, just shows the absolute insanity of 2023. Mortgage rates average two-year fix now above 6% as the crisis carries on. Partygate video was released pretty much showing what 50% of the population who were actually awake knew and knew what the truth was about the past three years. Jeremy Hunt announces a plan to slash taxes as Tories anger at high burden rises, you know, higher taxes, interest rate, you name it, the Tories are fucking up. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Ross and a fellow UK libertarian. It's great to have another UK libertarian on the show. How are we doing, Ross? Can you give a little introduction about who you are and what you're about? Yeah, so I've um, I've got my own channel, UK Liberty TV. Go and check me out if you want to. And I'm just trying to give news in the UK the Liberty look over. I mean, there's not many of us, are there, Rory? So no. someone's got to do the hard yards. <laughs> and it's uh, look like it's come down to you and me, man. Brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree. There is not a lot of legit Liberty people in the UK. It's, it's pretty mad that there isn't. But coming in with the first story, so Partygate, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a video released for anyone listening of Tory MPs just dancing, saying, are you filming? And ha- let's let's zoom out a sec. All the media's talking about, oh, Partygate, isn't it terrible? Isn't it the worst thing ever? But the the thing that they're missing is why did they break the rules if they were so terrified of the disease? So what what are your thoughts of this video being released and all the footage coming out of how much they actually did not give a fuck? Well, rewind back to December of 2020. Remember Christmas, lockdown, everyone. Uh, You know, you can remember official guidance from the government saying, what was it, a maximum of six people in your home, no more than six, you know, maybe don't, you know, maybe do a FaceTime Christmas with Nan this year. Uh, You know, you saw the absolutely insane um, wearing of masks and plastic screens that some people erected in their living rooms so that people could have like a normal Christmas. Uh, You know, I know, I'm sure we all knew people who caught COVID in Christmas and had to spend it alone in their room, uh, you know, (laughs) on their own, you know, for the uh, best day of the year. Um, So just, you know, whilst this is happening, then the people who have, not just instituted this, but forced this by law, have uh, taken away everything and eroded every social norm, every liberty, um, you know, set about the UK economy on a state of devastation to unfold. These people are having a party whilst this is going on. Now, it's does it surprise us, really? Is, is this the first ever time that politicians have been caught not doing what uh, they instruct us to do no of course not this is a story as old as time politicians have always you know done these things uh and to be quite frank i don't think it's a, a big deal um in my opinion i don't actually care if they had a party it looked like a pretty bang average party to be honest uh, <laughs> parties i had more than six people at my house i had a wedding shortly after shortly in 2021 that had about 30 people so not something that i particularly care about that's not what <laughs> aggravates people people and that's not what aggravates me what should aggravate people is the fact that these people knew that the um rules they were imposing uh, and the restrictions they were imposing on people uh, were not beneficial uh, were draconian were unnecessary for uh you know 90 
Yeah, 99% of the population probably didn't need to abide by these rules, uh, yet they continued to enforce them, you know, well into 2021. I mean, when did the measures get lifted? About March of 2021 or so, whenever it was. Um, yeah, and they continued with these policies and were continuing, you know, with the partying uh, right the way through. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't surprise us, but that's not what the narrative that we're hearing then. The narrative is not uh, these people knew this was folly, so why do they continue doing it? The narrative we're hearing is you weren't allowed to see your nan. I made the sacrifice by not going to see, you know, my nan on her deathbed while Boris Johnson and whoever else were having a cheese and wine gathering. Uh, you know, shouldn't you be mad at them? You made this a hard sacrifice, uh, but they didn't. No one is asking the question, you didn't need to make the sacrifice, so are you yeah. telling me this sacrifice? Pointless. So that's not what we're hearing at the moment then. Um, yeah, what we're hearing at the moment is let's waste thousands of taxpayer pounds investigating this absolute non-event that no one in their right mind, in sorry, no one in their 2019 right mind uh, would have ever thought newsworthy. Amen. I completely agree. You, you summarised it very well there because... There are people out there still to this day. I believe me, there's people. I wonder if there's anyone listening to this right now who's out there and they think to themselves, "Yeah, isn't it terrible?" And they they don't join the dots of someone breaking the rules and someone saying a disease is dangerous. They don't put two and two together and says, "Oh, maybe they don't think the disease was as dangerous as they said because if they did. Obviously, they wouldn't break the rules." But there are some people who, no matter what you tell them, won't draw that line. And it's a great point, like all this taxpayer money going towards this, let's make the taxpayer money go towards why they broke the rules. Because how can you say to someone, this disease is super deadly, you need to stay in your house. At the same time, you're the person going out of your house to meet people. It, it does not make sense. And the actual story of the party. So in a video, one man is heard saying, are you filming this? While another responds, it's for party and party use. The party took place on... This evening of december 14 while london was in tier two COVID restrictions meaning there was supposed to be no mixing of household indoor apart from support bubbles and only six people allowed to meet socially distance outside 24 people were at the party at tory campaign hq more than what was allowed at the current state so clearly it you know they didn't think it at all it's not like they oh seven oh we forgot we messed up even then you'd be like hang on what's going on here but it was 24. So, you know, four times what they said. You know, this disease is so unbelievably deadly that we're going to quadruplet the amount of people we say is safe. I mean, how can anyone in their right mind look at that and be like, yeah, they're good intentions? <laughs> you know, just listening to you there read from the article, just listening to, you know, bubbles, social groups, support groups, that sort of thing. It really does just kind of like make the memories flood back. And I guess this is probably <laughs> probably a little bit uh, churlish here, but I'm wondering if we'll view this event in the same sense that maybe our great grandparents' generation talk about the war and think about rationing, thinking about, you know, blackout curtains, etc., etc. Um, I don't imagine that we will. And I feel that this particular event will leave a stain on the entire COVID narrative then. Um, like you say, I hope that people wake up to uh, quite what a sham this whole thing was. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone uh, is defending the actions of the actual, of this party at all. Um, you know, it's just what question do we want to ask about this? The, is the question, why was this allowed to happen within this framework? 
or the question should be, why was this framework in place in the first place then? We're going to have a big inquiry as to uh, what happened at this party, how it was allowed to happen, who knew, what top Tories knew about this. Let's have an inquiry about how these, how this system came about in the first place, how this lockdown regime um, was able to uh, fester its way into our um, public discourse, into our language, into our every way of life, into our very laws uh, and the effects of which we're still feeling to this day. Yes, yeah, spot on. And <clears throat> let's not forget, it's not just the harm it did then, the harm it's doing now. So speaking about how much they actually spend, so this is interesting. So according to the ONS, um, with, no, it's, sorry, it's not actually the ONS, according to UK Parliament, so Gov, Gov website, <clears throat> the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in high levels of public spending. Current estimates of the total government COVID-19 measures range from about 310 billion to 410 billion. This is equivalent of four and a half grand to 6.1k per person in the UK. So just as the magnitude of it, there's people out there who like to deny the reality that people not working supply chain issues inflation like none of this is anything to do with lockdown it's sort of you know brexit or whatever and there are certain issues certain things i agree however to act like lockdown didn't pay a pivotal role in all this you're chatting absolute nonsense because you know there's over one and a half million extra people on out of work benefits if you don't think that's a problem you need to get your head screwed on because <laughs> like that isn't that is an issue Absolutely, absolutely. And I just love that opening paragraph of what you just read there. Just read it again. Current estimates of the total cost of government COVID-19 measures range from about 310 billion to 410 billion. Now, the astute amongst you will have heard the word estimates there. Estimates. So you're telling me you don't actually know how much you spent in those interweaving years. Okay. You didn't keep a track on it you didn't keep tabs on it so why does this not need to be an estimate can you not give a precise figure i'm sure people will respond by saying oh well they're not sure what counts as a covid measure and what doesn't but either way that does not scream confidence at all but mm. the entire response didn't scream confidence from anyone did it no um the reckless printing that not just the uk economy but the world economy uh underwent in those year and a half uh, has left everyone um, destitute. Well, sorry, not everyone has left working people destitute. It's left the middle classes destitute. Um, of course, those that benefited from these COVID measures, these this additional spending, uh, big companies that were able to, um, you know, to screw the furlough system in their favour, um, big uh, travel companies that were able to receive ba huge bailouts from the UK government uh, as their business floundered. Um, they did okay from it, yeah, and they did fine. Uh, but of course, it's the ordinary people that suffer. It's uh, the working people who've now seen um, record inflation from about 8.3%, uh, I think it is. And even that I would take with a pinch of salt. I don't trust the CPI numbers as far as I can throw them. With massive uh, interest rate rises as well to counter it, and it's clearly... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, the only way to combat this inflation is, of course, with interest rate rise. Now, we've had, um, I'd say, artificially low interest rates for too long in this country. Um, 
not to the same extent as some other Europeans and and the Americans, but I feel that we've been um, popping up a bubble uh, that the COVID uh, spending is now about to pop. We now need to see the rise of interest rates, otherwise um, our inflation will get out of control. Uh, and once again, who is going to suffer from this then? Uh, who's going to suffer from these increased rates? Well, it's ordinary people. Uh, it's young people who are now not going to be able to afford um, you know, the interest, let alone the mortgage on their first home, and who are going to be stuck um, you know, in the renting trap for well into their 30s. Uh, it's going to be uh, the middle classes who've seen their kind of savings uh, decimated from this inflation. Uh, it's going to be working people who now, uh, whose coin does not stretch as far as it once did in the pre-COVID, uh, you know, pre-inflation Britain. Um, yeah, and when the recession does eventually hit, then it will again be working people, middle class who hit, who uh, bear the brunt of the cost. Yeah, like it's so true and that there needs to be a real recognition of that. But it's the disconnect for me that's so painful. It's like, how how are you meant to progress as a society when half the society doesn't even realise how they got there in the first place? Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, how can we actually progress from it? And talking of insanity, so the rise of furries, how schools are allowing kids to identify as cats, horses and dinosaurs and teachers are failing to question them so schools are allowing children to identify as cats horses and dinosaurs there was a widespread outrage earlier this week when a 13 year old girl was branded dis despicable by her teacher for rejecting her classmates claim that she identified as a cat now further stories are emerging of pupils who identify as animals with very human characteristics often known as furries at a state school in Wales, one student said meow when asked questions by a teacher rather than answering in English, said the Telegraph. In other schools, apparently insist on being addressed as a dinosaur. One claims to identify as a horse while the other identify, uh, eh, while another is said to wear a cape and demands to be acknowledged as a mood. <laughs> I mean that's that's the, that's taking a whole different spectrum. We're going from animals to what? planets i mean come on if you're gonna actually identify something at least be a animal let alone a fucking moon but but as a teacher because anyone is listening he is a teacher what what are your thoughts of this <laughs> well do you remember when we used you know back in well i'm a history teacher so here's a quick history lesson back in the 50s and 60s and 70s america was the culture to be then it was Blue Jeans, it was Springsteen, it was videos, it was Michael Jordan, it was the Chicago Bulls, it was the NBA. These were the dominant cultural uh, icons that every single European wanted to adopt then. Uh, now we adopt their culture wars, now we adopt these uh, quite ridiculous and ludicrous issues, these so furries, actually. Then before I get into it, then so furries. Do you know? Is this a Japanese anime thing? I, I from what I gather, furries are like men who who are. <clears throat> I think a, a original furry is actually a mythical creature that is a man that looks like a is like in between. I think it's a monkey and a human. I think, and then that's the myth, and then people kind of adopted that, and there's people who are genuinely human who look a bit like furries, and then. That's from what I gather. So it's a cosplay is what it is. I mean, all of this entire uh, movement is a cosplay. And it's, uh, as you say, it, this is reflective of a, um, a culture in decay. I hate to uh, 
sound quite so conservative on the matter, but what else can you say about this then? This is, um, yeah, to not to be hyperbolic <laughs> about it, this is 1920s Germany. This is uh, the Weimar golden years. This is not quite to the extent of, you know, sex fueled orgies and jazz nightclubs, etc. But I feel when your society questions the very, you know, foundational principles that uh, toddlers uh, can identify as in male and female, um, that's the sign of a society in decay. Now, this particular case then obviously is interesting to me as a teacher. Um, there is another similar case. Um, your viewers and listeners might have heard about one in Scotland, about a young boy who questioned this notion of two gen there being only two genders and was ejected from his class. I believe it was an A-level student this time. And he filmed the interaction with the teacher when the teacher came out to tell him off then. Um, and it was an extraordinary interaction because you could tell that this teacher did not really believe, not necessarily totally won over by the idea. But he knew what the response would be if he didn't toe the party line. And that really is the power of the culture. He knew that he might not be totally sold on this, but it's far better just to go along with this notion than to back against it then. Now, as a teacher, you're in a classroom with 25 kids, so you've got to stamp your authority in any way that you can on 25 kids. And so if they say maybe a stupid comment or something like that, you've got to slap them down using whatever uh, means is at your proposal, uh, means is at your, um, yeah, using whatever method you can. Uh, so I can understand why this teacher might have taken that line. Do I think she really believed in it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the teacher in question, but um, it's clear that this is not her. Do you know, I read something from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a uh, prisoner in one of the Soviet gulags. Um, during the purges of the 1930s and 40s. Uh, and he had an extraordinary bit in his book, The Gulag Archipelago, where he spoke about the communists who were imprisoned in the gulags. Uh, and he said that um, whenever you spoke to these people, there was no differentiation between any of them. You could ask them a question um, and they, you could just see the crank going in their head and out would just come this ideological dogma. No individual thought of their own, no, you know, nothing of their own, no individual, no individuality at all. Um, and this is precisely what we're seeing here then. So some of the, you know, comments that the teacher made about, no, you can, you know, it's not about, it, there's a difference between sex and gender. Um, you know, and there's talking about intersex people and all these tropes that, uh, you know, trans activists throw up as a defence of their, um, yeah, as a defence of their ideology. Uh, it's just this ideological dogma that they've now trained and encouraged people to use. And you can see here, this teacher not really knowing what she's talking about is just splurging and, um, you know, stumbling over this ideological dogma to try and win over these two 13 and 14 year olds, who, by the way, do exceptionally well. I mean, I've had interactions with 13 and 14 year olds that have not been that uh, pleasant, but they hold their own and offer some quite strong arguments. I mean, you feel like it'd be pretty easy to um, win an argument against uh, against the notion of furries and identifying <laughs> as a cat or whatever it is. Uh, but when you're like arguing against a teacher, you know, you have to remember that a teacher's naturally has a superior intellect than a 13 or 14 year old. So you could it quite easily convince a child of anything. But the fact that this um, 
notion of furries uh, and there being more than two genders is just so difficult to defend that a 13 year old can fight off a you know someone who has a uh, university education well that just speaks volumes to the ideology that they're um indoctrinating children with because that's what it is indoctrination like this teacher's not just saying it to these two she's saying it to the entire class yeah that's a very good point the fact that it like it's such nonsense that a 13 year old kid is on the same part as like a full-on <clears throat> teacher like it really is absolutely nuts and the fact that people like people always like to say well it's a pendulum before it was inequality now it's now it's equality and progressivism but like i read douglas murray's recent book M M the madness of crowds and it's fascinating because he speaks about if you don't call out things early when they're happening because you use the argument of pendulum from you know not talking about anything to talking about things then you, you actually just regress because that that's what we get to we get into the stage where there's people out there who are saying meow answering a question and it's not within the teacher's realm to say you know what are you doing like it like it like it really is insane and i experienced it in college myself and it needs to be called out because we have situations like this and i heard an interesting story by rogan he said he was at a hotel once and a bunch of people came in um who were furries and they went around like like furries and like some of them were cats as well. And they would literally shit in litter trays and or piss in litter trays. And they the hotel got litter trays and stuff. Now <laughs> you could say I agree actually. A private establishment do what they want. I'm on that page, but you know that's where we're getting to, ladies and gentlemen. The people say, oh well, that's ridiculous. But let's see. You get arrested for praying in your head. You got people saying meow in schools. <laughs> you got 150 genders. What's to say next could be, again, people identifying as moons. we got that. Planets is going to be the next thing. Oh, well, you're comparing, but you're objectifying me to the sun. I'm a moon. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be planetism next or planetophobia. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just going back to that video quickly, just one of the interesting interactions that the young girl said to um, the teacher is that no uh, is, well the teacher said what will happen if I called your mum up um, you know as a threat as you do as a teacher like don't make me call your mum and there was people respond back well she'll agree with me uh. um, and that to me just really kind of highlights that I, you know I, again I don't know who this pupil is I don't know you know anything about her apart from listening to this like 30 second interaction with the teacher uh, but that just highlights the um the chasm of difference in opinion between the public sector intelligentsia class, of which I am a member, I hold my hands up, um, and everyone else then, okay? But it's the public sector intelligentsia class, the media classes, the celebrity classes, they're the single biggest drivers of this, um, this ideology. Uh, and of course, they're few in number, but they are great in follower in social media terms. Uh, and so it looks as if this is a dominant ideology. However, I'm still convinced that if you ask most people about this, people are not won over on this issue. Now, people might be scared to say they're, um, yeah, to say they're of one opinion on this issue or not. But if I take my own school, for example, you know, the, I'd say the 
average age of the teacher there is about you know 42 43 or so i'm we have students who identify as trans as about seven or so in a school population of 750 so you think that's a what one percent of the population if you were to take our school as a microcosm of society um i could you know i would bet a lot of money that um you know the uh, average teacher in my school probably isn't of the opinion that you know these people are actually born in the wrong bodies uh, i th would rather take the opinion that they uh that of my opinion that they uh, are victims of a social contagion okay this is nothing more than a social contagion um you know it's a, a pernicious social contagion as well i mean we've done um the right thing in the UK by banning surgeries for under 18s. Uh, we've done the right thing in the UK by uh, limiting the access to, um, yeah, let's well, let's call it what it is: chemically castrating drugs uh, for minors as well. Uh, we've made the right decisions from that, but children have still bought into this kind of social, you know, this social contagion, as it were. Uh, and yeah, as you say, this. Um, this doesn't end really. So the problem with our societies is that for many years we lived in the Victorian era uh, and we had very strict hierarchy, very strict um, systems, very strict rules. Uh, you were told what to do by society and you didn't have a lot of individual freedom to pursue uh, any avenue other than uh, that which was put before you. Um, so in to order to combat this, then we've embraced libertinism in which we're saying, right, so there's going to be no social restrictions now. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. And everyone has to give in to your subjective <clears throat> view of, the, uh, of yourself. Otherwise, they are a bigot. They are transphobic, whatever it might be then. Um, as we say, the problem with this, when you have no limits, um, it's not good for the mind, for one thing. I mean, there's an interesting study recently uh, looking at shampoos. So I don't know how well you're supposed to work much, really, but um, you're, um, if you, you know, what do you know about shampoos? If you take a person and then you send them into a shop with 200 different shampoo bottles, uh, the likelihood that they are going to pick the right one is pretty slim, okay, because they just have so much options and so much choice. Uh, whereas if you put three in front of them, uh, the likelihood is that they're going to uh, pick what they perceive to be the correct one then. Um, and this is becoming the problem with our societies then, because they are, we are witnessing the breakdown of these systems that have existed for thousands of years like marriage like the family unit like gender um yeah this uh wide variety of choice then um is effectively scrambling you know minds of the youth okay it's corrupting the minds of the youth uh you know i do have hope when there's still people who reject this uh, notion but um when i see the you know litany of videos on tiktoks uh, on tiktok and on social media that address these kind of issues uh, yeah, you can't help but fear that everyone else is going to come become corrupted by this. Um, yeah, by this wave. That's a fascinating point. Extrapolating the madness of it all to kind of everything else, because it's fair to say it's not normal to see what's going else on in the world. Like I, I was thinking the other day about like my gran and people older than me, my granddad or whatever. Like <clears throat> when they grew up, they would they would know their people in their town. They would know the people they went to work they'd have a little community maybe their church they'd have their family and that would be it they wouldn't see some guy in 
I don't know, Italy driving a Lamborghini with millions of pounds. They wouldn't see someone like being a, I don't know, finger at a cat. <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it just didn't happen. And yeah. now we're exposed to that. And it's, it's stupid to think that has no effect. I know that has an effect on me. I know that when I go on Instagram and I see people living a luxurious life in a luxurious way, that hasn't, that's not normal that I'm seeing. That's completely unnatural, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And if I could just bring this back to libertarianism, which is why we're here in the first place then. So you might say, well, why are you, people might say, well, why are you two such critics of the culture? Don't you, shouldn't you be worried about the state, etc.? Yeah. Well, ask yourself the question, where does this come from then? Where is this predominant ideology come from? Well, it's come from universities, isn't it, predominantly? Uh, it's come from the universities, and then filtered down into society, into the media classes, into the celebrity classes, uh, and then it spreads through that. Then, of course, how the media, how do universities have so much influence and power? Well, of course, they're funded in most of them funded uh, heavily by the state. Then through our student loan uh, guarantee system, uh, how does the state get its money? Well, it um, yeah, it prints, it robs from the people and calls it taxation. Um, it steals from the youth and calls it borrowing. Um, yeah, and people can have no trust in their uh, institutions anymore. These institutions have become corrupted by uh, by the state. Um, and then it all kind of filters through into the school child. It all filters through down uh, into the everyday person. Um, and we can just see quite how politics moves culture not necessarily the other way around then so i think this is where conservatives get it wrong they're always of the view that yeah culture uh, yeah, yeah yeah culture moves and it is they are right to some extent then but i'm more of the opinion that politics moves culture rather than the other way around then it takes a degradation of the money system and money supply uh, that causes this expansion in these radical ideas in the universities uh, that then goes on to the degradation of your culture. Okay, that's what I think the, you know, particularly the American right, they get this wrong then. So they always say that uh, the 60s, there was too much freedom in the 60s, se sexual liberation, all that. That was, you know, that's what causes what where we are now then. Uh, no, there was an explosion of government in the 60s then. You know, you had the CIA, the FBI, explo huge explosion in government, uh, you know, Federal Department of Education. Uh, and that's where why we are here now. OK, it's an explosion in government spending. It's an explosion in uh, state intervention in our lives. Uh, that's what's up with our culture at the moment. Uh, interesting, but I would say that... Um... <clears throat> oh shit I, I lost my train of thought i it's annoying because i agree with you too much on points <laughs> but um yeah yeah like it's it's not like there's private companies out there saying oh let's teach this gender stuff let's mandate it, it doesn't start from a a coffee a local coffee shop saying like you have to identify me by this and then all of a sudden it, it spurs out from that no it's through rsc it's through certain things being taught certain ways that that's how it's rippled out and it's a good point about kind of everything to the structure and the normal 
normality of it. I've completely lost my train of thought in what specifically... Well, if, if I just spin off on what <laughs> yeah, yeah. you said, then. Yeah, this is, um, you know, one critique that people might have of libertarians again. This is, well, why aren't, why are you getting involved in this? Surely this is... The yeah, private, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely this is the private interactions of, like, an individual. Why is this, like, your beef then? And and it's not, to some extent, then. So an 18, someone who's 18 and above can do whatever they want. Now, do I have to identify and... Um, corrupt my view uh my uh, subjective view of who they are to meet their subjective view of who they are uh, no definitely not um but this is not some kind of organic free market um change in social values then this is very much driven from the very top of society okay um this is the uh, um yeah, the, you know, Pride Month, as it were, you know, Pride Season, they're now talking about in Canada. Uh, <laughs> this is very much top down, driven from the, um, you know, from the university classes, from the academic classes, you know, from the state itself. Uh, this is not some kind of organic uh, rising of people, you know, who suddenly become oh so tolerant of, you know, homosexuality, you know, lesbianism and transgenderism, etc. Uh, this is, um, yeah, this is a top down you know, state uh, enforcement of an ideology uh, that is not coherent in any way. I mean, if you, you spoke, mentioned Douglas Murray earlier there, and he had a great line about how the LGBT community, of which he is a part, he's a gay man, um, should in theory be uh, enemies. He says, mm. well, lesbians and gays have nothing in common uh, except the fact that they uh, um, bat for the same team, as he puts yeah. it. Bisexuals and uh, lesbians and gays are annoyed by bisexuals because they just think to make up their mind. And uh, well, transgender is um, is uh, transgender people. Uh, well, they're a direct affliction to the um, existence of lesbian and gay people. Um, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, uh, someone who maybe was experiencing gender dysphoria. I think in something like eighty percent of cases, I forget the exact study there is now, but this is a quite a well-known study. Uh, something like eighty percent of cases, the child will just grow up to be gay. Um, whereas now, if you're encouraging them that no, you're not gay, you're just in the wrong body, so let's slap you on some hormones, and when you reach eighteen, then we can <coughs> remove perfectly healthy body tissue from you. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to get bogged down in like in this stuff too much then, because this is. Um, uh, this is a symptom of a government that's grown too big, and that's uh, all there is to it. Interesting. I, f I agree with you to an extent on transgenderism. I do think, though, there are real people out there, and I'm not saying you say that, but for anyone listening who's not new to the show, we're not saying that transgenderism isn't a real thing, and people do suffer with it, and like it's extremely tough and traumatic. But what we're saying is there's definitely a social phenomenon going on. To, like, You don't just have thousands and thousands of extra percent of referrals of young people overnight when it becomes extremely accepted to do so and the other thing about the morality of libertarianism and i hear this a lot when someone says like oh well what why are you criticizing their lifestyle you know they do they're doing what makes them happy or some comment like that and they're saying like well you're a libertarian what, what? and the point is you can criticize things and still agree with their right to to do it like i'll, I'll give you an example like i've had friends who have been alcoholics and i obviously disagree with them being alcoholics and i think it's horrendous but i will <clears throat> i believe in their right to you know ruin themselves and drink themselves to death i think that's their right i don't think that should be taken away and that that's one big thing if you criticize something that doesn't mean you're against that people having the right to have it and jordan peterson made a fascinating point where he says that if 
like if you couldn't do certain things there would be no right or wrong would it so it, and it's it's also a philosophical one it's a classic one about god like why does god exist if there's so much suffering but the question there would be what would suffering be if suffering didn't exist though what would suffering be that would just be normal so you know we we need apparatus to actually make reality reality to an extent um and it's it's a big philosophical question but like I think the argument of libertarianism of, oh, well, you shouldn't be criticizing how people live their lives so that makes them happy. One, I think that's completely ludicrous philosophy to have if it makes you happy. Like me having a chocolate button makes me happy, but that's not going to be, you know. Um, yeah. And I th- yeah. yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting one. I, yeah, just on that, just, just to close that then. I, yeah, that's the kind of one of the more goofy takes on libertarianism is that, well, you shouldn't you love everyone and accept everyone for what you do. Politically, yeah, I mean, politically, I, you can do whatever you want to do then. Uh, however, I have my own critiques of, um, you know, you socially. I have my own critiques of your lifestyle. Uh, I have my own critiques. Uh, well, not, you know, I mean, just coming back to this gender dysphoria thing, you know, this it's a tragic thing to stu- to suffer from. I can't imagine, you know, the devastation of being confused inside your own body. Um, you know, that's a devastating thing. And, of course, that very notion of being confused preys on what every single human being goes through when they're going through puberty. Yeah. Because everyone's mm. confused and inside their own body, doesn't feel like they fit in, uh, you know, awkward teenage stage. You know, we've the script writes itself doesn't it uh and so something like you know transgender um or gender dysphoria the idea or maybe i'm you know not meant to be in this body uh that can prey on a young mind and as we're seeing here it has preyed on a young mind and so those of you are saying well the reason why there's so many more people coming out as transgender now is because we're a more tolerant society um the reason why that's not the case then uh, is because why is this only affecting young people? Why don't we see any transgender 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds then if we've now become an oh so tolerant society? Uh, yeah, that would be my biggest critique in the service as well. But no, like you say, then, this is the kind of goofy idea that you can't critique someone's lifestyle, you can't critique the, the social, uh, what they're doing, uh, what the, is happening in society, and you have to remain apolitical about anything that's happening on the society front is yeah is ridiculous and as you as you say um you know it's this it's this lack of meaning that is driving people to these ideologies it's driving people to this activism type thing here it's not having a purpose then and being able to make something of yourself then seemingly as this activist if you can gain some unearned moral virtue uh, by you know changing your Twitter or Facebook profile picture to I've been vaccinated <laughs> LGBT um, Ukraine I've, flag yeah um, I've yeah whatever the <laughs> is today um, yeah why the hell would you not then and especially mm. it's so easy to earn more virtue just by doing that and you can see why people want to jump on the bandwagon um, but yeah coming back to the point then the people who are driving this. Um, are not interested in human liberty, okay? These people are radical authoritarians uh, who would quite happily, if push came to shove, um, yeah, would quite happily put you in a cell and throw away the key uh, if you try to get in the way of... Um, if you try to pursue your own liberty. Let's put mm, it that way. Definitely. And 
there are definitely people on the right who are tribal hacks and don't really believe in liberty. They're just using it. But there are also a lot of people who it's like, I can despise everything about you, everything you ever said, but I will defend you to the death for your right. And we see that quite a lot. We don't see the opposite. Like, it's not like some person who wants you to get sacked for not wanting to use pronouns in a fucking email that they're not the one saying, I'm going to die for your liberty. And what happens when you become... Yeah, when Elon took over Twitter, people weren't worried about people on the left weren't worried about being taken off Twitter and being censored on Twitter. They were worried about him not censoring people on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that says it all, didn't it? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, in fairness, Elon he he did he did censor some accounts, but it was it wasn't a left or right wing thing. It was just specifically to him. So you, it wasn't yeah. like a partisan thing in that sense, really. But um, we'll finish off talking about Jeremy Hunt. So Jeremy Hunt announces plans to slash taxes as Tory anger at burden rises. So coming in from GB News, um, G- Jeremy Hunt says he he has set Britain on a sustainable path to lower taxes as senior Conservatives urge the Chancellor to cut the burden in a bid to end the to- Tory turmoil. I mean, for a start of him saying sustainable path, what? inflation people not working job vacancies i mean what the hell is a unsustainable path if you think that's a sustainable path um so if this is yeah if this is unsustainable well this is supposed to be sustainable then um no of course not sustainable (laughs) you know that's the exact word to pick up on sustainability because this is not sustainable at all then uh i heard a great thing today then when the nhs um was first introduced in 1948 it was one percent of the nation's gdp uh today the figure is 12 percent of the nation's gdp um and so the argument was made when the NHS first came in that, uh, oh, we'll be a net save in the long run because people will be healthier so they won't have to worry about you know, healthcare costs and we won't, we'll spend less money collectively on healthcare as a nation. Um, that's not been the case at all then. Uh, now, there's lots of factors that go into that then. Uh, but the one that I don't think you can get away from uh, is that governments only get bigger. Okay, There's no government ever willingly stri- uh, shrinks itself. Uh, no... Uh, government employee ever willingly gives up a job then and this is um, something that Hunt needs to take into consideration Uh, it's all well and good saying you're going to slash taxes uh, a la Donald Trump in the United States Um, but Trump continued spending uh, at a higher rate than I believe Obama did I mean Covid obviously throws off the figures a little bit because that kind of skews it Um, but yeah right through 2016-2019 Trump continued the spending uh, and I fear that the British government will continue to do this as well. Uh, they will be kowtowed. They will not slash public expenditure by any meaningful, uh, in any meaningful way. Um, you know, there's obviously complaints now from or striking from teachers and firefighters, etc., about you know the lack of pay, lack of rise of pay, um, in line with inflation. Um, but there'll be no meaningful cuts to anything. So you, we can talk about. Um, you know, tax cuts uh, as much as we like then. Whether or not these will actually be implemented as well, there's another debate in that. Mm. Uh, But it's no good. It doesn't make a difference unless you cut spending, okay? If you don't cut the spending, then these tax cuts um, have to be financed from something else. And they'll either be financed through printing money or from borrowing money, both of which we can't afford to do right now. Interesting. Because it's interesting seeing almost the U-turn because... 
Liz Truss came out of a mini budget. Fair to say it's a lot of things dodgy with it. However, I think it was the right sentiment. And like she got a lot of pushback for that. And now we're kind of seeing almost like a pivot into that because we've been trying something for so long. It's been so useless. We're raising interest rates. We've got unbelievably high inflation across the board. Like we got no one working, universal credit crisis. Like in almost every metric, the UK is just doing abysmal. So it's almost at this stage, like we just, you know, chuck, chuck mud at the wall, see what sticks type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no um, vision from the Conservative Party. Uh, I don't think at this point we should label them a Conservative Party. Mm. Uh, I don't what are they conserving? Yet. Well, this well, I saw mm. another, you know, coming back to Douglas Murray, I saw another great tweet earlier. It was like um, arguing about uh, you know the just going back to the transgender thing about um, you know the state of our education in schooling with regards to like teaching pronouns or whatever it is. Um, and he said this has all happened under a conservative government. Then uh, you know every school, you know the thirteen-year-old girl had experienced thirteen years under a conservative government. Um, this has all happened under a conservative government. And yes, what precisely have they conserved then? What um, how has government shrunk in any meaningful way then? How is the state less involved in our lives in any meaningful way then? Where is the Thatcherite conservatism that uh, I'm readily assured by the, um, you know, by pro-EU Twitter uh, is, you know, a pernicious and um, uh, dominant force in British politics? <laughs> Where are these people? Okay, they don't exist. Okay, there is no small state. Con- there is small state conservatives anymore. Uh, this movement has long been dead in the water. They've not. Uh, they didn't manage. They didn't uh, manage to hold back the tide of the COVID regime. Uh, they've not managed to cut spending in any meaningful way. They've not managed to um prevent state intervention in any meaningful way so if you think um there's a recent study done by the iea that we're now uh well we we ranked 11th out in europe as one of the most interventionist nanny statist economies so by nanny status that's uh the regulation of alcohol tobacco um and there's a few uh, junk food and there's a few others that go in there as well Um, yeah and all this has happened under a conservative government so yeah do you know what they can talk a good game about cutting taxes and i'm in favor of tax cuts at any time for any reason as milton friedman said uh do i think they'll do it um probably not and then do i think it will have any meaningful impact um probably not wow well, I th- we've gone for a lot. There's a lot of things I kind of, <clears throat> I think I should have pushed back on you more. I give you a, a easy answer. I, I like to push back a lot more, but I, I don't know. I held off. I agreed too much with you. So hopefully next time I get you on, I push back more. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Where can people catch you and your show? Okay, good. So if you um, on Twitter at UK Liberty V, um, and then if you just type that into Twitter, uh, type that into YouTube, uh, I'll come right up with all the uh, the hottest takes. Brilliant, definitely. Well, yeah, definitely do check that out. Link in the description. If you like fellow libertarian anti-government people like me, then you definitely will like him. He gets more specific on economics and stuff, so definitely worth a listen. I should focus a lot more on that, and I will trying to start in like with the kind of rebrand and stuff but thank you so much for listening ladies and gentlemen it's been an absolute blast we got a lot of big things coming 
um <clears throat> thanks so much for coming on really do appreciate the link in the description but yeah it's been it's been an absolute pleasure fucking love you all um follow me on instagram at the reg at reg podcast if you want to come to the show reach out we've got a lot of guests lined up a lot of people are now reaching out to come to the show it's the tides have turned well um um like people are reaching out a lot more to come to the show which is fantastic so like we do have a lot of guests booked for like the future stuff brilliant but yeah fucking love you all it's a bye from me catch you later peace